Life Church, this morning I have the privilege of joining our Appleton campus live at the Marcus Valley Grand Cinema in Appleton. Pastor Jeff and his wife Abby have been working hard to spread the life-changing love of Jesus to the Fox River Valley. And we are seeing God do some amazing things there. Our Appleton campus is a video venue, which means on most weekends they stream the message from our Germantown campus. We believe that video venues work and that we can leverage technology to reach more people than ever before. So today, you get to experience what it's like to be at a video venue, much like what Appleton experiences on a weekly basis. You'll see the message from last night's 4.30 service here at the Germantown campus. It's okay to clap, laugh, shout amen, or anything you normally do during a weekend service. I hope that this message will speak to you and that you'll be back next week as I talk about the incredible things that God is doing around the world to the persecuted church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you on this incredibly gorgeous weekend. Everybody having a good weekend? Man, I'm telling you, great weekend. So it's great to see you, and we're continuing and kind of finishing our series today on love and family. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen when we get there. Uh, but today I'm going to talk about a topic that applies to everybody, regardless if you're married single, you got more kids than you can count and keep up with, or you have no kids, empty nest, no nest, it doesn't really matter, you're living in the basement, maybe this will really help you. Uh, it's, uh, I'm going to talk about margin, and this isn't one of those topics that, that you get, gets a lot of play, uh, but it's something that is, um, I think is going to be very applicable to your life, and will be something I think will add a lot of value, and the Bible talks quite a bit about. I hope you'll be back with me next weekend as we're having a special weekend, uh, and we're kind of, I'm, I'm going to be really careful how I say this and frame this. Um, there's a lot of talk about refugees and what's happening with persecuted people, the movement, the migration of people. Uh, and so next weekend, I'm going to address some of that, not from a political type of a state a place. I think a lot of issues get politicized and it dehumanizes them to the point that we, it becomes a rhetoric or it becomes a, a ticker tape on the bottom of the screen. And um, so what's our response? And, and I'm going to give you a practical, very, a really simple way that we can respond in times like this. And really, quite frankly, at any time, how the church should be and what's happening. I'm also going to take you to places in the world. I've got, I've got a, a a leading expert that's going to come in next week and do part of the sermon with me. We're going to talk about certain places in the world where uh, it's the persecuted church and what's happening and what's going on there. Because some of this that's happening is happening because of those issues. And so what does that look like? How does that work? And so, again, uh, if that 
again, if you like any type of a worldview, you'll like that. If you are interested in that topic at all, you'll like that. And if you're passionate about missions and seeing what God's doing around the world and hearing some of that stuff, you'll enjoy next weekend. So join me as I'm going to be bringing a message on that. And I've got a guest that's going to come in and help me with some of that. So, uh, but, but today we're, we're finishing this series. And I want to talk about margin. Because margin is basically this. Margin is the extra margin is kind of the, it's the extra. It's, it's the little bit. It's, it's instead of, if you write any academic papers at all, uh, you, you know that margins are a big deal. Uh, one of, in my, in my graduate, one of my graduate classes, um, I had a professor that she would take a ruler and just make sure that the Turabian format the, that we had to do, the Chicago Turabian style that I had to submit this paper in, the margins all had to be perfect. And she would, and it, it was like, oh man, this is going to be horrible. And, and it wasn't great. But anyhow, but, uh, but, 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 but the margins were so important to her. And I thought to myself, if we practiced relational, emotional, mental, financial, spiritual margins at this level, we would have no problems. But the truth of the matter is most of our lives look like if you start with a piece of paper and you're in the upper left-hand corner, the very top, and there's writing from there all the way to the right, all the way down to the bottom. And it's completely packed with text. There's no margin. And if you see a document like that, whether you're dyslexic or not, you'll go dyslexic really fast because there's, it's like there's no beginning, there's no ending, there's no, it's just, there's no margin. And most of our lives, if, if we looked at our lives, would look more like a piece of paper that was just completely filled with text with no margin whatsoever. And it drains us. It actually kills us. And it doesn't just affect us. It affects our families. It affects our relationships. It, reflects, it affects everything. To live marginless is to be in fatigue. But to have margin is to have energy in your life. To, to, be, to be marginless is to live in the red ink, day late and a dollar short. To have margin is living life in black ink. To live marginless is always in a hurry, always in a hurry, always in a hurry, which is kind of the mantra of our age. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. But to have margin is to be calm. Marginless living is, is anxiety-based. It's very anxious, always on edge. Margin-based living there's a lot of security there. Marginless living is you're always out of money. Margin living is that there's money in the bank and you don't owe anybody. Marginless living is I'm always 30 minutes late. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. Having a life of margin is, you know what, I'm actually early enough I can swing by Starbucks and pick up a cup of coffee. When was the last time that happened? It's, it's this, and, and the Bible talks about this. This isn't a new issue. That's one of the things I love about going back to God's word. It's not a new issue. It's, it's a human condition. There's something about us that we feel important when we're busy. Uh, we feel like uh, we're, we're, we're more valuable when we're, busy, when we're busy. It's almost like it feeds a certain insecurity in us. And then there's another part of us that some of us, so it goes from that all the way to some of us are just a hot mess. That's just what it is. And life is that way. And, and you can just tell because, I mean, you, you probably can compose several meals out of the floorboard of your car from particles and pieces of food that are in there. I'm not pointing at anybody. Um, but I'm just saying, you, it's just, or yeah, everything is just, I know I've got it somewhere. I just don't know where it is. Or there's always, you're having to call somebody because this is late and this is late and excuses and this. And it just, it's just, it's. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 38. 
And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. And he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came out to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Many, many being the operative word in that phrase. But few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, for it will not be taken away from her. You have this, these two sisters and Martha and Mary, they're, they're, they're a full example. This isn't a parable. This is just, they were friends of Jesus. And you see, Martha is a living illustration of life without margin. There's so many things. There's so many places. There's so many preparations. There's so much stuff that even her request to the Lord, what we'd call that her prayer, is God, can you get send somebody to help me? Send somebody to help me. Send somebody to help me. And in the context of that, you see Mary who has this completely opposite composure. Secure, relaxed, calm, completely opposite of her sister Martha. And you could mark that up to personality, except Jesus makes it different than personality. If it was just personality, he would go, Martha, this year's kind of wired this way. Just cool your jets. Cool your, you know, just, just sit down, relax. It's going to be okay. No, he really kind of goes there and says, look, you are looking at your sister who's not perplexed with all of these things. She doesn't live life marginless. She has margin. And you are so much about so many things. And the problem is, is that she's about one thing, and the one thing she's about is the most important thing, which we know is Jesus. And so what happens is, is that Martha is so busy doing things, good things, but not, not what needed to be done, godly things, that she doesn't even have time to spend with the Lord. Does that sound like anybody else's life? I'm so busy doing life, doing good things, that I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to talk to Jesus. I don't have time. That's, that's what's going on here. I know it's a real physical encounter, but, but that's what's going on. And sometimes we think, well, if I just was, if, I, if, I, if Jesus was just really real in the flesh, and we know he's real, but if he was like in the flesh, I would always take time for him. That's, no, you wouldn't. You'd be like Martha. The only time you'd interrupt was say, hey, could you get somebody to help me doing this? Because, like, <laughs> what she's saying is the food in the kitchen isn't going to prepare itself. The chicken's not going to fry itself. The biscuits aren't going to make themselves. You know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> Everything goes back to food in my world. So, so it's not going to happen. And why don't, Jesus, why don't you talk to Mary? And what Jesus is saying to Martha is you are about so many things that you're missing the one thing you need to be about. And if you would just be about the one thing, the many things would take care of themselves. And we know this. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Jesus says these words in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. That'd be most of us in the room. And I will do what? Give you rest. Rest is another word for margin in the Bible. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus said, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You'll find margin for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We just don't seem to get it, though. We seem to deal with the same issue that Martha deals with. 
we want to be Mary, but we can't be Mary, and we find ourselves being Martha. And so instead of living life with margin like Mary does, we find ourselves marginless like Martha is. And even though we know to follow Jesus is supposed to be this easy yoke, light burden life, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like that my Christian walk is just another thing to add to the to-do list. My Christian walk is just another thing I have to get done, another thing. It's another chore. It's another item. It's another meeting. It's another appointment. I got to get to church. I got to get to a life group. I got to find a place to serve. I got to spend time in the Bible. I got to spend time in prayer. I've got to. So what's the answer? How do we do this? Well, I think we got to unpack what margin is a little bit more. What, 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 what exactly that is. Now, there's an author. His name is Richard Swinson. He's a, he's a medical doctor. He actually lives in Madison. Uh, and, uh, and he has a best-selling book called Margin. I read it, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, um, and in this, he unpacks it from a medical perspective, what happens in the world in which we live in. Now, he, he's a Christ follower. I think he attends a Lutheran church in the greater Madison area. And, and so his stuff is very biblically based, but, but it's very secularly written uh, because that's who he's writing to. And he says, basically, here's, how, here's what happens in our lives in a, in a, in a, in a psychological, sociological type of a, of a, of a formula with, from a medical perspective. First of all, there's this process. We experience pain in life. So there's this pain that we experience. Most of the pain, Swinson says, that we experience comes from three areas, social, emotional, and spiritual environments. So they come from social environments. That's family, <laughs> you know, family's funky, amen? A lot of drama there. So friends, how many know that many times having friendships are not always easy, and they can be very tasking? Uh, and, and work, and neighbors, social interacting that you're having. And as your kids grow up, they're gonna interact with a different level of people socially, so it, it, there's pain that will come from these relationships. Uh, also emotional pain. And by emotional, he means internal. You're dealing with your own self. You're, at the times that you actually do quiet yourself, you're asking yourself some very deep questions. Because quite frankly, that's how you're hardwired. You have a brain and you have a soul and the two are to interact. And so you begin to ask these questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my value? How am I doing? How am I translating this to my kids? Am I living a better life than what? These things naturally come up unless you suppress them which you do sometimes because of pain. Or pain comes from a spiritual environment where you're trying to reconcile how would a loving God allow you to go through whatever? How does a loving God let someone have cancer? How does a loving God allow somebody to, to go through this? How, if God was really there, if he really cared, if he's really all in control, if he's everything that the church says that he is, then why am I living in the mess I'm living in? So this pain and our lives began to create what the next thing he talks about is the problem, is overload. I'm overloaded because I'm dealing with pain and I'm trying to go through life and I've got things I have to do and I'm dealing with this. And so it's what Martha, what Jesus said about Martha, it's the many things. I'm overwhelmed with the busyness of life. I'm overwhelmed with the speed of life. They said 30 or 40 years ago, projecting this point into the, we're like in the Buck Rogers almost, right, time, right? Anybody, Buck Rogers? Okay. Twiggy, Twiggy, anybody? No? Okay. Some of you, okay. Millennials are like, what's he talking about? Google it. Okay, so anyhow, the, the reality is we were supposed to have so much disposable time because of technology and automation that we weren't going to even know what to do with ourselves. The opposite is happening. 
there are more superficial relationships than we've ever dealt with before. Forget artificial intelligence and self-driving cars. What about artificial relationships? I mean, who can really have 4,200 friends? There's no way. I mean, psychologically and sociologically, you, it, it's impossible. I mean, I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of people around. There's no way to keep up. And I, I'm a gregarious type A personality. I, I can't imagine an introvert who just probably just going nuts, just thinking. I mean, it's just the speed of how all of this stuff happens. And it's just going and going. And by the time you get used to one piece of technology, there's something else. And then there's something else. And there's choices in life. I mean, life feels like a Woodman's supermarket, doesn't it? Like there are more choices on macaroni and cheese than I know what to do with. I didn't know there were that many. I didn't know that many people really cared about macaroni and cheese. I didn't know there were that many companies that made macaroni and cheese in the world. Just go to Woodman's. You'll see it. It's all there. Choices. I mean, and then you get paralyzed by the amount of choices that you have. Commitments in life. We are one committed society. Do you know, I'm, just, I'm reading a book by a guy named Charles Taylor. It's called The, the, the Secular Age. It's a, it's, a, it's a liberal kind of um, secular book. I know it's called Secular Age. But, but it's talking about the world in which we live in. And for me as a Protestant minister, it's very eye-opening because Taylor says that the world in which we live in is not only is it devoid of God, God is just not even an option for most intellectual people. For most people with any type of bandwidth mentally. And he begins to explain that in, in, in a very eerie way, that it feels like the train has left the station and, 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 and there's just this, this feeling of, of what's going on, and he begins to describe part of what's happening in the world in which we live in. And it used to be that there were sacred week, times that, you know, that you just didn't do things. But today, on any given Sunday, there's going to be kids' sports activities. I mean, the church in America is kids' sports. Only 1% of those kids that play sports will actually go on and make a career out of it to go to college, and then even less of them will actually go on and play professionally. Nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing, but I'm saying we literally, I had a conversation with a lady uh, that, uh, not, not at Life Church, but, but that she, she has come to the realization that, that the community that, that she lives with, with all of the soccer moms and dads, that that's church for her. And that's what she does. And so she worships with those people in the same way we would, not with worship songs like with Nando and the hair and everything, but, 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 but <laughs> in community, because that's her group, that's her tribe, that's her church. And when you say that out loud, you think that's crazy, but it's not. Look around. Look, look, look at how many sporting events, look at how many things compete on a Sunday morning alone. It's no longer the deadest hour of the week. And we're supposedly a Christian nation. I, what I'm trying to say is, is we're living in a world that is so overcommitted that literally every hour of the day, seven days a week, 365 a year, there's something going on somewhere for you to watch, be involved in, be connected with, do virtually, uh, uh, in reality, whatever. And not just you, but your spouse, your kids, and everybody in your family. 
So all of a sudden, it's like, forget, forget like, a, you know, a, a, a Lyft or, or, or a cab company. You're running your own, you know, checkered cab company. You're, you're, because you're literally going from here to here to here to here to here to here to here, trying to keep all of these commitments. And if you ever stop to say, why am I doing all of this? Well, for my kids or the quality of life. Well, how's the quality of life? I have no margin. And again, I'm not against kids' sports. I'm not against doing things with your, for your children. I'm not against commitments. We all have them. But this is the world in which we live in. And we're overloaded by, by debt in life. Just the sheer amount of money and resources that so many times you talk to people, I just can't get someplace. So what's the solution? Well, I've already told you the solution. It's margin. And I've got to figure out a way to create margin in my life to create rest in my life, to give myself a life that's not about many things, but about one thing. And I know that sounds oversimplistic, and some of it will, but I want to give you a couple of ways to do this. I want to remind you again that Jesus constantly is calling for margin. If you read the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see this rhythm of Christ. He's with the people, and then he pulls away from the people. He's with the people, and he's fully engaged, and then he pulls away from the people. It's like he has to go charge his battery. It's like, his, it's like a smartphone. You can use it all you want, but at a certain point, you've got to plug the thing in. And if you don't, it goes dead. The same way with your life. The same way with my life. Mark 6.31, Jesus says, Then because so many people were coming and going, speaking to the disciples here, that they did not even have a chance to eat. You ever been there before? Yeah. Probably trying to get ready for church, huh? And he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is not a 21st century issue. This is a human condition. It's exacerbated by the things in the world in which we live in. It's, it's, it's magnified, but it's an it's, it's it's issue of humanity. So how do we attain margin? Let me just give you a really simple formula that Swenson gives. And it's this way. Power minus load equals margin. I'm going to explain these, these terms in just a minute. Power minus load equals margin. Power. Power's the, the capacity. Think of it like a truck. It's, it's the capacity, that the, the, the power that a truck has. It's not, it's, not the, it's not the bed of the truck. It's the engine. It's the, it's the power. It, it, and so, you know, if you, if you look at Ford, you know, you've got a little Ford Ranger. Then you go to a Ford F-150. Then you go to an F-250. Then you go to an F-350. And then you get into more semi-type rigs. And, and, and every one of those trucks, the engine, the, the capacity, the power capacity, not the payload capacity, but the power capacity increases incrementally in each one of those. And so the, 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 the power that we have is, it's our capacity. I'm going to talk about that in a second. The load is our content. It's how much can I handle. It's like this cup. This cup is about 12 ounces. It's about what it'll hold. I can pour 32 ounces into this cup, but it's not going to hold 32 ounces. It's never going to hold 32 ounces. Because when they built it and they constructed it and when they made it and it was created, it was created to hold 12 ounces. So that's what it holds. Now, if it only has four ounces in it, it can hold more than four. It's got room. It's got margin for eight more ounces. But if there's eight ounces in it, it only has margin for four. And if there's 10 ounces in it, there's only margin for two. And if there's 12 ounces in it and it's brimming, there's no more capacity. The load is completely maxed. And the tendency is, so when I think about power, 
So how powerful uh, my, my, my capacity is, and then my, 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 the, the load, the content of my life, how much stuff I have going on. So the more powerful I am, I can hold more content. But the, but the less powerful I am, the more limited the content I have. The only way to create margin in my life is to be powerful, but to minus some of my load. Therefore, take my 12-ounce cup and put eight ounces in it and give myself four ounces of margin. It's kind of like when you go to Starbucks and you say, I want a cup of coffee. I like to have a pike roast. And they say, would you like room for cream? What they're saying is, do you want some margin in the cup? so that there is room for you to put the other liquid that you need. Because if not, we're going to fill it to the very brim, and therefore you don't have any room for that. The tendency is just to think, well, I'm just going to increase my power. I'm just going to increase my capacity. The problem is, is, that, is that it's just not that easy because we're limited. We like to think we're limitless. We like to live in a world in a day and age where we think, man, we're limitless, where, where we, we have no, almost like we're a superhero. That's one reason I think we love superheroes. But the, but, but, but the deal is, is that I cannot increase my, my power. There are things I can do marginally, no pun intended, that I can do to do that. But the most part, I, it's kind of like buying a truck. I can't get a Ford Ranger and turn it into an F-350. It's just not designed for that. The size of the, 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 um, the, uh, where the engine well and, and, and the hood and the, and the front end, it's not designed for that. It's, it's not physically possible. I'm limited. And, and the deal is, is the only way to maximize the power that I have in my life is to know what my limits are. It's to know that I have limitations. It's to know I can't go here. I can't do this. I can't have this conversation. It's like an alcoholic. Don't go into the bar. Why? Because that's a limit for you. Someone that's, that's never drank before in their life, it's no problem. They can go to a bar and sit all day long and drink Coke and never ask for a Jack with it. They, they just simply can do that. But someone who's an alcoholic, they're predisposed. They cannot put themselves in that place. And they think, I'm going to be more powerful. Isn't this what we do when we find ourselves struggling with sin? I'm just going to overcome it by willpower. And what happens? We crash and burn every single time. Instead of understanding we are flawed, failed humanity. And we all have weaknesses. And I deal with one set of weaknesses. You deal with another set of weaknesses. You deal with another set of weaknesses. I have to know where my limits are. I've got to know, am I an F-150? Am I a Ford Ranger? Am I an F-350? Am I a semi? Am I a stinking transformer? Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. What is my, what is my power? And quit trying to live to somebody else's power. I'm not you. You're not me. Some of you can work me under the table. And some of you, I will get more done by 8 o'clock than you will get done all day long. It's power. Where do I start? How do I deal with this and create this? We'll give you three things, and then we're going to be done. One is check your attitude. Check your attitude. It's perspective. This is what, when I talk about being limited, when Jesus came to this earth, he, being 100% God, brought himself to this earth, clothed himself in humanity, and by doing so, limited himself. Do you think that when Jesus was being raised as a son of a carpenter, did he automatically know how to build, or did Joseph have to teach him? Did Mary have to look at baby Jesus and teach him the words, Mama, Dada? Or did Jesus come out of the womb 
saying, it is I who comes to save you. (laughs) You ever thought of that? Did Jesus have to learn one plus one equals two? Did he have to learn how to write his own name? Who taught him to read, or did he automatically know that? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, 6, and 7. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, meaning he was limitless, did not regard equality with God being a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He divested himself. It's what theologians call the kenosis theory of the book of Philippians. Taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men who are limited. You have limits. You can gripe about those limits. You can get mad about those limits. You can get frustrated that somebody else is made better looking than you are, or they're faster than you are, or they're smarter than you are, or they were born into a more wealthy family or a better disposition than you. You have limits. I have limits. We all have limits. But Christ himself had an attitude that he did not sit there. See, when it says, it says he didn't regard equality with God being a thing to be grasped. He wasn't living 33 years on the planet going, man, if I could just have the power I had before I got here. Man, if I could just be like the Holy Spirit and just be transcendent in a way that I don't, I'm not bound by time or space. Man, if I could just. No, he emptied himself. And he made himself the form of a man which is limited. So that. When we cry out to him, the Bible says he's a high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be limited. He knows what it's like to deal with temptation. He was tempted and tried in all ways, yet like you and I are, yet without sin. Attitude. Attitude. What's your attitude like? Are you just griping about everything? Are you just griping about the world? Just curse the darkness all day long. Or you can light a candle. You can talk about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Or you can do something positively about it. You can gripe about about politics. There's plenty, and there's always going to be plenty to gripe about when it comes to politics. This isn't a new issue. Read history. You think Donald Trump's crazy? Read anything about LBJ. There are things that LBJ did that the press corps saw that they didn't, that they reported in books but never reported during his time in office that I can't even say from the platform. This is humanity, folks. These are people. The world's always been going to hell in a handbasket. It's always been about to fall apart. You don't think that people thought the end was coming in World War II? You don't think we thought the end was coming in World War I? You don't think that people, I mean, there's been the rise and the fall of great empires. America's not the first. Read history. You can curse the darkness, you can light a candle. You can get mad at your limitations, you can get mad at your frustrations, you can get mad, or you can just say, this is what I got, and I'm going to do the best I can do with it. I learned that a long time ago. Look, I don't have a lot of gifts, but I can talk. So I'm just going to talk. That's why I talk so long. And I may be ugly, but I can smile. And I'm better looking than you. Hey, I got it. (laughs) Second, start early. 
Start early. May not be smarter than you, faster than you, but I can work harder than you. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27 says, A lazy man does not roast what he took in in honey. But diligence is a man's precious possession. Read that again. A lazy man doesn't roast what he took in for hunting. He doesn't even cook what he kills. But diligence is a man's precious possession. If you look at the etymology of the word diligence, it comes back from two words, daily and daylight. What the proverb is saying here is that it would be saying this way, a valuable possession is a man who starts or begins his day every day at sunrise. That's the Bible. You don't get your kids kicked out going to school? Just use that verse right there. Make them, make them read it. Just start every morning, every day, and daily do it. That's diligence. I may not be able to increase my power. I may not be able to complete my, uh, increase my capacity. But what I can do is start every day, get up, and go and make the most of that day. I can get up and not wait for the day to get there, but I meet the day. And I'm going to get there, and I'm going to hit the ground running, and I'm going to do it today, and I'm going to do it tomorrow, and I'm going to do it next week. And I'm gonna, because here's the thing is we live in a day of one-hit wonders. I mean, just, it's just like, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like a pop group that just gets a, a, a number one song. And it's like, that's everybody. The, the question to me is, who's there five years from now? Who's still doing the same job 10 years from now? Who's still there 15 years from now? You want to become an overnight success in Milwaukee? It's going to take you 20 years to be an overnight success in Milwaukee. What? It's just... The, it's getting up every day and being diligent of every day when the sun comes up, I'm going to meet the day and I'm going to hit the day and I'm going to hit the ground running. And as much as it depends on me, I'm going to go for the day. I'm going to go. I'm going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to maximize every single opportunity that I have. Well, I thought you were talking about creating margin. Yes. Because most of the people that are running around like a chicken with their head cut off, they're always late. They're late getting up. They're late. Everything starts late. Whereas if you get up of a, a, a morning and you set a rhythm in your life, it's, it's shown medically that you will find yourself, your sleeping habits will, will, will stabilize and will, and will become constant. Your eating habits will stabilize and become constant. Your rhythms in life will stabilize and become constant. Just basic things that you do day in and day out. I had one, one surgeon friend of mine from North Carolina said to me, he said, Aaron, if you, if you walk, if, so if, if every day you'll spend two, two miles walking, walk a neighborhood, walk a treadmill, whatever, and then the rest of your day you're going you're gonna to walk, you know, take the stairs and just park a little further out, you'll average four miles a day. You average four miles a day walking, you can pretty much eat what you want to, and you don't really have to worry about a whole lot of stuff. The problem is, is we're so sedentary, and the problem is that we don't, we don't compartmentalize some of these things, that we don't get the metabolic rate going up to the point that we even are able to really process the day, these issues. Look at anybody who's successful in any, however you want to deem success. Nine times out of ten, they're early risers. They get up in the morning, and they make it happen every day. And they don't just do it one day or two days, or one week, or two weeks, or one year, or two years, boom, 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 boom. And you ask them, do you feel like getting up? Nope. You want to get up? Especially daylight savings. You anybody else hate daylight? Oh. But they do it. It creates margin in your life. My attitude will create margin in my life. My rhythm and diligence, according to Scripture, will create margin in my life. The last thing is Fill your tank. Fill your tank. Think of it like going to Speedway 
as you leave church today and you're filling your tank up. Your load is what's draining you. And ask yourself that. What is draining me? Have you ever thought about that? What drains you? This is a great, if you've never done this, this is a great exercise to find a few minutes and just ask yourself this question. What drains me emotionally? What drains me physically? What drains my time? What drains my finances? Define that for yourself. I can tell you what drains me. I, I, I can tell you. There are parts of my job that I literally will hire people as the church has grown, and I will give it to them because I don't want to do it. It drains me. I hate it. I dread it. I'm not good at it. It's not good for the people that I'm having to minister to, nor is it good for me. Matter of fact, there's four things I do. I'm the primary communicator, the primary vision caster, the primary leadership developer, and the primary fundraiser at the church. That's what I do. Because anybody or any company, regardless of size, can do five things great, and I'm not going to do five, so I just do four. I know my limits. That's what I do. What's that for you? And you can go for a season, but eventually, if you don't figure out what's draining your tank, you're going to wind up empty on the side of the road. That's the reality. The reality is, is at some point, you don't get enough sleep, your body will shut down. You don't eat correctly, your body will shut down. You don't, you will. Wayne Cordero, who's a great pastor in, in Hawaii, multi-site church, runs thousands of people. I heard him speak, and he's written a book called Running on Empty. And he said he was, he, he's top of his game. You know, he's praying, he's reading the Bible, he's doing all this good stuff, but he has no margin in his life. And he's doing a conference in Southern California. He's, he's on a run. He's going by. He stops, and, and he, he's running. He said, the next thing I knew, one minute I'm running, the next thing I knew, I'm sitting on the side, on a sidewalk in Laguna Beach, and I am crying uncontrollably, and I cannot get myself together. I had a complete nervous breakdown. The doctor said, you need a year at least, one year off from doing anything. He said, I don't have the ability to do a year off. I pastor a church, man. I, I got speaking engagements. I've got book deals. I, I, I've got, you're going to d die, relapse and or die if you don't. It, this, this is shutting you down. High capacity leader. What drains you? You better know what that is. And then the other thing is power. What fills your tank? What is it that fills your tank? What, what is it? I can tell you for me, I love leading. It's, leading is one of the things. My greatest gift of the church isn't my preaching. It's, 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 it's leading. I love creating. I, 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 this is something most people don't know about me, but I, I'm a freehand art, draw, draw uh, well, artist. Well, I don't even call it an artist, but, but I mean, I've done everything from Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali. I've got one in my office and not here, but at my house and, and watercolor and all of this. And in high school, I was in all contests and all types. I, I love just the creative. I, I can, I have a sketch pad that I just keep with me because it's one of those things that's just cathartic for me. But I love creating ministries. I love creating, I, I just, I, it energizes me. Life change. Every time somebody comes to faith in Jesus, I love life change. I, I got to have a conversation with someone this week that completely just, I, had, I ran into them and we stopped for a minute and they were saying, could you just explain to me just for a minute? I know you're busy. I know you got, but, but, but I'm just trying to understand that I just, I've prayed the sinner's prayer, but it's never felt like that I, there's been any change. And what happens? Because I'm just struggling and I'm just trying to find Jesus. You may not have time. Oh, I will cancel everything to sit there for the next two hours and talk to you. 
Because I know what's happening. The Holy Spirit's drawing you, and I get to be a part of that conversation. The most exciting thing I do. I, if, I, if I never had to deal with another mature Christian and I could just deal with people coming to faith in Christ every day in my life, I would be the happiest guy in the world. I love you, but I'm just telling you, I, I love that. I love my life group. I love sitting around with these group of men and just we're talking about life. And a couple of weeks ago, we were there. Everybody's busy. We start at 7 o'clock and we're going to 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock came, 8.15 came and went, 8.30 came and went, 8.45. Finally at 9 o'clock, said, the guys, we got to go. I, I got a 9, 9.30. I've already texted the office and told them just I'll be there, be late. Because we were all business guys, all engrossed in what God was doing and what was happening in that moment. I told Tammy, I said, I I'm telling you, we got the greatest church on the planet, and I get to be around people and get to see these great people. And what? Does any surprise I like a great meal? What fills your tank? Because if you don't find out what fills you, you're going to spend your life on what drains you. And you're not going to have any margin. When it comes to love and family, you can lead others, but you can only control yourself. You can only change you. So before you attempt to change anybody else in your family, anybody else in your marriage, anybody else in the house, change yourself. Create margin. One thing I've endeavored to do in this series is to go everything back to the Bible. The answers of what you're asking from life's questions are in God's word. The principles are in his word. The Bible is all you need. You don't need me. You don't need you and Jesus. And whatever you do, don't quit. Don't quit. God's grace is... It's always going to be sufficient for you. God knows where you are. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what's happening in your home. He knows what's happening with your kids. He knows more about it than you do. Trust in his word. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promises. Just to know, thus says the Lord. That's my prayer for you, is that you'll trust him in every area of your life, including your family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your people today. I thank you, God, that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And I just pray that you would help us to identify our limits, to identify the power that we have, and the capacity that you've given us. Help our attitude to be right. Help our diligence and the characteristics of our life be correct. And help us, Lord, to fill our tank with things that, God, bring glory and honor to you, but that fill us, because that's the way you created us. And to watch the things that drain us. I pray for margin. In Jesus' name, amen.